This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. everyone, this is Chris Grosso with the Indie Spirituals Podcast on the MindPod Network. And my guest today is Mona Hadar. Mona, hi. Hey, Chris. What's up? How are you? I'm well, thanks. Excellent. So before we jump into this, I want to read your bio for our audience. It's uh, quite impressive, and I've been very much looking forward to speaking with you. So I'm super jazzed about today. But I know that. I know that. I'm going to contain myself as I read the bio, and then we'll just get all excited in the interview. So Mona Hadar is a poet, activist, practitioner of permaculture, meditator, composting devotee, mountain girl, solar power lover, and a tireless God enthusiast. She practices a life of sacred activism, poetry, contemplation, and advocacy for living gently upon the earth. She teaches classes and retreats on mindfulness and Islamic spirituality, leads workshops on creative writing, and performs her poetry. Her words have found homes in the hearts of seekers, wanderers, poets, artists, lovers, and stewards of the earth. She grew up in Flint, Michigan, graduated from the University of Michigan, and has since lived in Damascus, where she studied Arabic and Islamic spirituality, then went on to live in the mountains of northern New Mexico at Lama Foundation and in the redwood forest of northern California with her husband and son. Mona and her husband, Sebastian, set up a stand in Cambridge, Massachusetts with signs that read, Talk to a Muslim, Free Coffee and Donuts, Free Conversation, and Ask a Muslim, encouraging open and loving dialogue which garnered the attention of NPR, Al Jazeera, the Boston Globe, among other media outlets. Currently, she, wor- she is working on her second collection of poems and her first work of nonfiction on Islamic spirituality through the lens of other spiritual traditions. She's working towards her master's in divinity, and Mona helps to grow a more universal love with her activism, writing, performing, and teaching. And she has a really wonderful website that you can visit her at and learn more, which is monahadar.com, and we'll have those links for the audience on the page. So Mona, again, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks so much, Chris. Yeah, so... I think I mean there's a lot. I I really am excited to talk to you about today. Um, I figure first though, let's start with you and a bit about your story. Um, I would love to learn a bit about your childhood, um, 
your relationship to spirituality, when that kind of began to flourish for you, your coming into awareness of God, you know, anything that you would love to share would be great. Sure. So I was kind of a wild child growing up. I just spent almost all my time outside climbing trees. And I feel like the majority of my childhood was spent in this apple tree in my parents' backyard. And um, for me, you know, I think I've really found God in nature. And that was my introduction to um, the essence of uh, the creator. And uh, that's where I connect the deepest, even now. But uh, so that's where I started out in that apple tree. And, and you know, just uh, that sense that there's something greater than myself and, and that there, you know, nothing else in my life has brought me such solace or contentment than, you know, reaching back into those memories and those feelings. Um, and beyond that, that just sense of, of just depth and interconnectedness and stillness. Um, and so, yeah, and then I, I got really into poetry. Um, I've been writing since, gosh, I mean, my first poem, um, you know, I am dude, I am mood, I am Mona, you know? <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was in kindergarten, you know, um, and I, it just kind of took off from there, and I've been writing ever since. And that's also one of the ways that I really connect to God and spirit. And it's one of the ways that I ground myself to, you know, I can kind of get lost in, in, um, in the world of form and in the world of um, busyness and yeah. the God of busyness, you know, and the God of business too. And, and just kind of getting lost in that world and, and writing really helps to bring me back down into the, into the, um, you know, just, into the earth of my spirit, myself, um, and my heart centeredness. Uh, so yeah, so between nature and, and writing and reading to others writing, um, I think, yeah, a huge part of my spirituality, um, is, uh, you know, uh, I, I give thanks for those things. I'm in gratitude for those things, um, because they are what, you know, help me to get connected. Um, so, yeah, I grew up with seven siblings. Um, I was number seven of eight. So, you know, just huge Arab Syrian family, um, you know, but because they were all older, I feel like I had to grow up a little bit faster. I was always playing catch up, you know, and, and so I think maybe I was a little bit more serious of a kid yeah. um, than uh, my, my friends were because I was really interested in, in what my siblings were doing, you know, when they were in university and they were talking about these like lofty ideas, you know, some of, sometimes they'd be taking like philosophy classes and I'd be like, what does that mean? And, you know, my brothers go look it up, you know, <laughs> you know, things like that. And, and, and so, you know, I just, I feel like I grew up, um, kind of fast. And so what that means now is that I kind of hunger for, for, for like fun mm-hmm. and, um, I hunger for that like uh, childlike uh, playfulness, and I I I get it a lot in my life. So I'm just I, I feel like I'm really playful um, as a result of growing up kind of fast, which is mm. counterintuitive, but you know, yeah, I, I don't know. Somehow it works for me. Um, so you know, between my family and my writing and my spirit uh, and my, um, my you know finding God in nature, those are the the really three things. Yeah. 
I love that. I and you know we're friends on the Mighty Facebook, and I you yeah. know your posts are always like happy and playful for the most part, and uh, and I love that. Except you know, when they're not. Except <laughs> when they're not. Yes, of course. But yeah. for the most part, they are, and and that resonates because something that has been important to me in my life is is staying in touch with that youthful spirit, and I often joke that. I'm a, an 11 teen year old and I don't totally. ever want to not be that, you know, like totally. to, to have that playfulness. And so I, I also want to say, I really appreciate how you're talking about finding God and experiencing God in nature. Um, that's something I think that I've encountered a lot of people and actually pr- maybe 15 minutes prior to us connecting today. Um, I saw a comment from a post I made, uh, not to make this all about social media, but I shared a quick two-minute video from Ram Das and really just very lovely, quick little talk, excerpt from a talk he gave. And he's talking about how the journey to enlightenment is full of errors and that is the journey. So don't be so hard on yourself. That's not mm-hmm. verbatim. But someone posted um, a comment, a very lengthy comment. To be honest, I didn't read the whole thing, but the gist of it was that, you know, it's all an illusion, you know, uh, don't waste your time, blah, blah, blah. And um, I've, I've, he's not the, he's not the first person I've heard say something like that. You know, a lot of people can tend to get caught up in the transcendental, you know, like mystic experiences, which yeah. are very important and valuable. And I've actually had some lengthy talks with, uh, I think a mutual friend of ours, Adam Bucko. I, I'm, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and I know we've had some really great talks around this too, how people can really get lost in that end of things and, and, and they're in, um, takes them out of the God in nature or just mm-hmm. nature in general, or becoming, uh, like it says in your bio, a sacred activist and, and finding God in the world. So I, I really appreciate that, that you brought that up. And, um, I just thought that was a, a nice little cue for me to be able to, to throw that in there very timely with that comment. So, um, yeah. And, uh, panentheism, you know, the teaching of God and everything, everything in God, that's a very dear one to me as well, you know, or yeah. guru, you know, what Maharaji Ram Dass would say is, you know, seeing the guru and all and, and all in the guru. So, um, finding think- the balance. Yeah. Yeah, I think when when we lose sight of that, um, you know, I I say this all the time to friends and beloveds, but like separation from that is the only sin. Mm. You know, like that nothing um, nothing is devoid of God. (laughs) You know, uh, even if you just want to look at it in terms of God being the creator of all or the imaginer of all. You know, anytime you say that this is devoid of God, that's a separation and that's breaking the magic. Mm-hmm. It's breaking that um, that sacredness to it. And that's that's the reality of the situation. The whole, this whole world, this whole universe, this whole, you know, the seen and the unseen, all of it, you know, we're, we're, we're in this like cosmic play and we're, you know, just playing out our roles and our parts, and and to say that, oh God, it's just such a tragedy when somebody says that that's that's not part of God or that's not, you know, just like it hurts, you know, at yeah. such a deep level. Yes, know? I exactly. That's why I named my second book "Everything Mind." You know, it's mm-hmm. it's all part of it. It's finding the formless in form, while also recognizing the form is formless. You know, the, the from the the Buddhist uh, Heart Sutra. It's um. Yeah. I don't know. It's been very important to me at least. So, um, and, and we're going to, I know God can also be a very loaded word for some people. So (laughs) we're going to jump into that in a little bit, but before you, I figured 
let's talk, let's start a little bit about talking about Islam. Um, I will not pretend like I am an expert uh, on Islam, which is part of why I'm very excited to talk to you. I I too am in school for my master's of divinity and have been learning more and am very uh, fascinated and and feel a bit guilty that I haven't, you know, uh, made myself more well-versed, so to speak, in that uh, it's a beautiful tradition. Um, And Islam itself, as I've learned, is it has two different meanings, if I'm correct. One, it primarily means peace, but also surrender. And if you put them together, it's the peace that comes when one's life is surrendered to God. Um, now, I don't know if that's a very like schooly kind of thing, but I thought that in oh, and yeah. of itself was a really beautiful introduction to Islam. So is that accurate? Is that off the mark? What? Yeah. I mean, that's like the very Sunday school definition. And then, (laughs) you know, I do these retreats with kids. I mean, you got it. It's you're you're spot on. (laughs) You know, I do these. 11 um, teen year old. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I do these retreats with kids and, you know, a lot of the time they say, you know, Islam is peace. Islam means peace. Yes. And, you know, with Muslims having the kind of, um, reputation that we have right now um, in the media, I hate to use that word like that, but yeah, okay, on the news and things like that, um, you know, uh, it's a nice catchphrase. It's a nice, like, soundbite. Islam means peace. Well, let's talk about what that means, actually, Um, because, yes, while Islam comes from the root word for peace, which is salam, which is how we greet each other every time we see one another, you know, peace be upon you. Mm. Um, It also stems from the root word for safety. Um, And and that is the root word for for Saddam, for peace. Um, Because when you're in peace, you're in safety. And when you surrender, you're also in safety. You know, one of my, one of my dear teachers, Habib Ali, he said that when, when, I th- and I, th- I believe it's, a, it's actually um, a hadith or a quote from the Prophet Muhammad himself, peace be upon him. And he said that when a human being surrenders um, herself or himself to the earth and to the universe and to God, um, that then the universe will then um, surrender themselves and lay themselves out, lay itself out for that human, for that person. But when that human... Um, you know, is working towards something and is, is not, is doing, when that human being is doing and toiling and has not submitted him or herself, that then the universe will go out of its way to trip that person up mm-hmm. and to create roadblocks. And that as long as you are surrendered, the universe will be in service to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I just find that huge for my theology. Yes. You know, to say that Islam is about surrender, but it's also about being at peace. Yeah. It is, it is, you know, the way of Jesus in that it's the way of love, because love is the way of surrender. Yeah. You know, there's an Arabic saying that says, uh, to the one whom you love, you have surrendered. Mm. You know, because um, when you're in love, you know, your beloved can wish you anything and can say or do anything. And especially in those like very pure and innocent um, early love, you know, the early love stages, that person can do no wrong in your eyes and in your heart. And they can, they can say nothing that will stir your heart or move your heart away from them. And so one of the, the very like 
um, prominent Muslim prayers is to say, O oh, changer of hearts, you know, O oh, turner of hearts, um, you know, make me steadfast, make my heart steadfast upon this path. Because, you know, our hearts turn and turn and turn. And so let us turn towards the one and, and be steadfast in that, you know, because we often take these long detours because we haven't submitted, we haven't surrendered. And the universe wants to catch us and wants to say, hey, like, give up, give in, you know. And so when we do, it's a straight shot. Yes. But the trick is doing it. And that's, How do you do it? That's yeah. why I was kind of laughing to yeah. myself when you said that at first, because I'm thinking of my own life and my God. Yeah, the universe has had to step in quite a few times mm-hmm. and trip Ditto. me up. So, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm sure it's, a, it's something we all share in common. Yeah. So that's the human's journey, right? It is right. Going back to the the Ram Das video, I just said, you know, that it's mm-hmm. all part of making mistakes and learning and growing and. Yeah. Um, well, so thank you for the clarification. And, and I'll, I'll just throw myself under the bus and say for the next however long we have here, 45 minutes or so, I, I will, uh, I, I look at myself as a student because I really, I don't know. So um, I appreciate you being gentle with my <laughs> slight ignorance towards. Oh, distance. no, not at all. I'm, I'm super just like impressed by you and everything that you know. And I'm, I'm like fangirl over here, just in awe of all that is Chris. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, boy. I'm so bad at taking compliments. Sorry. No, I'm like my whole group It's just well. a conversation. You're not right. the student. Right. I'm not the student. We're just hanging well, out. Well, thank you. Because that makes me nervous. All right. Okay. Well, thank you for saying that. I do appreciate it. You're right. Mutual sure. conversation. Bring it back. Bring it back. Okay. So <laughs> let's talk then about God, um, which is again, maybe my very nursery school understanding with Islam. It, it is the one God. That's how it's referred to, if I am correct, the one God. Um, so what is this one God and how does it differ possibly from other gods? Um, I would say that the one God does not differ in any way from any other God or gods. Um, but that it is or God is the the overarching um, oneness, the total interbeing and interconnectedness that is everything. And it's totally abstract. And because um, that God and that creator uh, created time and space, and because our minds are bound by that time and space how can we understand that which is beyond time and space and so talking about what god is and what god isn't well in in muslim theology it's quite simple because god gave himself and we say him um, because that's how god referred to himself in the quran but it doesn't necessarily connotate that god is male sure Um, You know, Islam came to a patriarchal society and so to call um, and also a pagan society. Um, And so to say that um, to to refer to God in the feminine um, for whatever reason just doesn't happen in Islam. But what does happen is God often refers to himself as we 
um, we. And, and for me, that all ties back to that interbeing, that interconnectedness. Mm. Um, and, and rather than a royal um, we, you know, like, uh, you know, we, we learn about it as the royal we, you know, because um, that's how the monarchs refer to themselves in their decrees or whatever. But I like to see it as the, it's the web that ties us all together and that we, we essentially are the we. And so God discusses himself in the Quran as the, the beginning and the end. So how can you be both the beginning and the end? You know, um, he, he discusses himself as uh, the seen and the unseen. Well, how can you be both at the same time? Well, if you're beyond time and space, you can do whatever you want. Right. <laughs> right. Um, you know, he is the most merciful and he is the punisher, you know, and, and he is uh, the creator of all things and the destroyer, you know, the giver of life and the taker. And so, you know, all polarities and, and extremes, um, there is God. And so all we can do with our minds is to say, then, what about everything in between? Is God there too? And I would say yes. If, if, if God wanted us to believe that he was the beginning and the end, well, then isn't he the perfect now? Mm. You know? Right. Well, then, yes, of course. And, and where is God but for this now exactly you know, in that, that is all we know and can experience. Mm. What what I love is I'm hearing so many similar elements to different uh, wisdom traditions as you're speaking, you know, the, the creator and the destroyer, you know, um, Kali comes to mind. And, yeah. um, and also, as you're talking about the interconnectedness of all things, I'm thinking about Thich Nhat Hanh and the Buddhist lineage. And, um, and, and I really appreciated that because I know obviously a lot of, uh, Buddhist people have issue with the word God. A lot don't as well, but, um, you know, there's not a God per se in, in that tradition, but, uh, I think that's a beautiful way of showing, um, some relation, you know, some similar ground that, that, that Islam can share with Buddhists. I, I think it's pretty obvious that there is common ground amongst uh, Jews and Christians because um, there's God and even yeah. the tradition of Hinduism. I know there are plenty of uh, differences as well, but something that's very important to me is where can we find some similarities or where can yeah. we find some, some ground to talk from, to build from, you know, to come together on. Um, and it doesn't mean we have to see everything eye to eye and that's okay. But where can we share and learn from one another and celebrate together? And um, so I think that was a really, uh, really beautiful way of, of sharing that. Um, well, you know, I lived at Llama Foundation. Yes, so. of course. So. <laughs> so, you know, being at Llama, you know, and, and um, you know, Ram Dass wrote, be here now there. Yes. And if, if that, the spirit of that place is anything, it is interspiritual. You know, it is um, the weaving of the cosmic tapestry of all traditions, right. and all spiritualities. Um, and so I think I learned to use the words um, that were less dogmatic, yeah. you know, and less, um, well, you know, we, we, I grew up in this Judeo-Christian uh, society and the, the common language didn't necessarily like fit with my brain, with my heart language, you know, and I, I loved the new um, things I was learning, like right. interbeing from Thich Nhat Hanh, right. you know, um, and a lot of the Buddhist teachings just resonated so deeply 
within me as a Muslim. Yes. You know, yeah. and I didn't see them. People often say like, well, isn't your Islam like lessened or threatened by your um, acceptance of other um, explanations of things like karma and uh, reincarnation and things like that. And, you know, hogwash. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> right, right. That's a bunch of bull. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, um, I don't know. It's just like one of these things that, I'm sorry, just give me a second. Um, it's just one of these things that uh, my computer just decided to do something funny. Okay, oh. I'm back. <laughs> okay, so, um, you know, it's just one of these things that that we we just can tie back into with, with the use of language. Right. You know, it's so, it's so funny that it can separate us, but in that same way, it can bring us together right. by using the same language. Like, I can use the language of the Buddhists and the, the descriptions of the, the Hindus and still remain, remain solidly and devotedly Muslim right. um, because I believe in the God of everything. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, in the God of the Hindus and in the God of Kali and in the God of Hanuman and the Buddha and, and everything in between, yeah. you know, um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you hear all of that in there for sure. Oh, yeah. And and that's <laughs> yes. And I love like my my heart kind of is like doing a little dance as you're talking, because that's exactly how I feel, too. And yeah. and I love like when I've read Meister Eckhart's descriptions of the Godhead, you know, yeah. and and it sounds just like the explanation of Dharmakaya I've read, you know, in Buddhism yeah. or of Brahmin from Hinduism um, that that. I don't know. That just makes me, I feel corny saying happy, but it, it does make me feel I happy and it. connected. And, uh, oh, totally. cause that doesn't even do justice, but it just, it's a, it really like it, it warms my heart in a way to, to, like you said, have your own faith yet learn and grow really from these other faiths. They, they, to me, I think they, in my experience, I, I still struggle with saying I am this or that. I think I yeah. resonate most closely with uh, the teachings of Buddhism. Um, however, I have a deep love for God, quote, you know, God. And, uh, and that's very important to me. And Maharaji has been very important in my life and in the teachings yeah. um, from Ram Das. So, you know, finding, you know, that, that place where not even reconciling, but, but where they do fit together and, and it's okay when they don't and, and still learning and growing. And, uh, it's a beautiful conversation and, and dance we can have with one another, you know? Yeah. And I think in those funny places where they don't fit, I actually don't think that that's real. I mm. think that that's ego. Ah, man-made. Yes. I think that yeah. those things are man-made. We don't want it to fit because it messes with our, um, historical understandings and our historical explanations of things, you know? Um, and I think that that all stems from a sense of human, like, desire for grandeur. Mm -hmm. Like, mine is better, or exclusivity. Sure. You know, mine is different and therefore better. Yeah. Um, and I just don't feel that way. I yeah. think we're, we're all the same. We're all on the same shit. We're all doing the same stuff. Yeah. You know, like, at the end of the day, we're all made of of the same earth stuff and yes. we will all return to the same earth and in between like where we kind one another 
I don't care what religion you practice or what ideology you live under, even if you're an atheist, if you're kind to humans and animals and creatures of all sorts and the earth, um, hey, I think that's what religion is. <laughs> you know? I, I do know exactly what you're saying. I have so a, okay. call it God or not. Um, I think ego is the only thing that gets in the way is our funny little twisted sense of self that wants to be special and different and better than, um, yeah. So I have this friend. First of all, yes, absolutely. I, I love <laughs> what you said. Uh, it just made me think of it when you when you mentioned atheism. And I know I've talked about him on the show before, uh, but he's the the humanist chaplain at Yale, um, and he's an atheist. And he wrote a great book called Faithiest. His name is Chris Stedman. <laughs> and he is one of the most, like, just spiritual, good-hearted dudes I have ever met. He wouldn't call himself that. But his whole thing is about working with people from varying religions. Like I said earlier, finding where they can come, where they can come together, meet, and be of service to humanity, to the betterment yeah. of us as a species. Yeah. And that's tremendous. You know, that's, that's yeah. such a beautiful thing. And what he, what he explained to me, and as he writes in his book, Faithius, is that Faithius is actually a derogatory term that atheists use for other atheists who, you know, don't believe in God, but are willing to talk with religious people and work with them. And how, how crazy is that? You know, like, mm. but anyways, more and more ego, more dogma, more whatever, but it's beautiful that there are faithiests out in the world, you know, that, that are, are just looking to help and be of service. I mean, does it get more spiritual than that? You know, showing up selflessly to help one another. Yeah. So going back to, to Islam and, and, and uh, the Muslim faith, I wanted to ask uh, about Muhammad because that's obviously very important. Um, and, and again, not knowing very much, but I know that he was, if I'm correct, considered God's mouthpiece, so to speak, for the faith. Um, that's how I've come to understand it. Again, could be very wrong. But what I teacher teach? No, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, I, I just I, I know that that's an integral part, obviously, of of this. So I would love to talk a bit about Muhammad. And I know that it was not an easy go for him in the yeah. beginning, um, which you know made me think of Christ and the struggles he had, and and I'm sure many other great saints and yogis and sages. So, um, could you please talk a bit about Muhammad and for this nursery school student? <laughs> oh no, I mean, oh my God, just the invitation to speak about um, my beloved and the beloved of God, it, it's just, it warms my heart. And um, sure, he was the mouthpiece of God, but um, through Gabriel, um, through the angel Gabriel, and you know, Muslims believe in, in the seen and the unseen. And so we believe in, in all the prophets who manifested in this world right. um, as humans um, and were sent the same message. So Muhammad is is um, among his brothers in a long line of prophets. And, um, you know, I could rattle off the list to you, but um, I think it's really important to say that the Quran specifies that though it mentions um, specific examples of who these prophets were, there are countless and innumerable uh, examples of the ones who were not mentioned. Sure. 
And so, you know, I believe Krishna was a prophet of God. And I believe that the Buddha was. And I believe that there are countless other ones who came and relayed the same message that the prophet Muhammad did. Um, And that was, the message was that we are one, Mm -hmm. that this, this whole universe with the, the beautiful earth, we were amazingly given um, and that, you know, we honor and love is only here as a Quran for us, as a spiritual guidebook for us. Like, you know, you go into nature and you see biodiversity, you know, that everything exists in the light of another and that, you know, they feed one another, the different, um, you know, creatures and plants and, you know, the mycelium and, and all of that, that it all feeds each other and it works together. Mm-hmm. And it produces this magnificent, glorious thing. And the Prophet Muhammad came to say that we are just one part of that. And that actually humans are ambassadors on this earth, are are our caretakers of the earth and that that is our vital role. Um, Yes, our vital role is to know God, but it is specifically to know God through care of earth. Um, And, you know, one of the things that um, makes me both happy and sad is to see uh, Muslims on the forefront of the global warming and climate change um, activism and uh, movement. Um, I, I just love seeing Muslims who are active because to me, that is an integral part of our faith, our tradition. Um, and it makes me sad to see so-called Muslim countries uh, deplete the earth of its natural resources like oil um, and call themselves Muslim. Mm, sure. You know, um, because to me, that's totally counter, uh, counter to what we believe. Um, And so a huge part of what the Prophet Muhammad brought was this message that we're not separate um, from each other and that we're not separate from nature and that we have to work together to perpetuate the beauty in the world Mm. um, and the unity in the world. Um, And that only when we see ourselves as separate can we lay so much destruction um, upon the earth. Beautiful. Yeah. And and that goes right back to what we've been saying. So many of the wisdom traditions say that same exact thing just in their own language, you know, and that's, that's uh, really beautiful. And, and one of the things, you know, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, um, you know, God says about him in the Quran, you know, we did not send you except as a mercy or as unconditional love to the world, to the world's to the universe. Um, And this message of unconditional love, uh, which is wrapped in mercy, um, like that's just not a message that I think is getting out there enough. That actually Muhammad was just about love (laughs) and anything else is secondary. Mm. Um, So people want to talk a lot about jihad and they want to talk a lot about um, sharia, well, I'll tell you right now what Sharia is. Sharia is all of the things I just said. Um, sharia is the laid out path and trajectory to 
attain gnosis of God, mm. to attain direct relationship with the Creator. Um, and how do we do that? By being stewards of the earth. Mm. That is the way. By wrapping ourselves in the cloak and in the blanket of that unconditional love and mercy and saying that we're not separate from nature or from one another. And how could we then harm one another? Um, you know, that that's actually the integral message. And so it is to see um, God in the other. Because if you see God in the other, you could never harm the other. Right. And, and actually you see that there is no other. You know, that it's just you and you and you and you and more and more and more. And it's all love. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying all of that. And I don't want to dwell on the negative, but, um, you yeah. know, you mentioned jihad. And it is, it's obviously, it's in everyone's face. I mean, I feel like I'm in Ottawa. <laughs> I'm from the U.S. I And I travel back and forth quite often. We just... Um, uh, not too long ago brought in the first uh, few flights of Syrian refugees. Yeah. I was so proud of our new prime minister for yeah. the, this heart stance he has taken on this. Yet what surprised me, and I'm, I'm relatively new to Canada. I've only been here a couple of years, but I can honestly say it is a softer way overall up here than the U S but I was quite taken back by the backlash that he has and continues to receive about bringing these people here, these, these Muslim people and the 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 ignorance that is you know surrounding all of that 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 is i'm sure tenfold in the u.s and that's part of why i really wanted to have this conversation with you as well um because it it, no other word is coming to mind than that of ignorance and 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 i'm guilty of that too as i've said i i i not ignorant in the sense of I'm worried by any of that, this at all, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just learning more about this Muslim tradition, which again, I think is very beautiful. So what, what has been your experience with this? I, I know you've said in a few posts, especially right around the time of the Paris attacks, um, you, you felt like you were getting some looks more than usual. And, yeah. um, and how has that lessened since t- a bit of time is, gone by how how have you been feeling because i think at one point you even said you kind of had a fear for your own safety absolutely and that hasn't gone away you yeah. know um i'm an obvious muslim and as an obvious muslim for those with hatred in their hearts i'm an obvious target right and i've experienced enough to know that that is real in the world and that to uh people who are hurting I I do pose some kind of threat to them and I just find that so heartbreaking because anybody who sits down with me and gets to know me you know like I operate in the world that every person I meet is a potential friend like I don't I don't operate in the world that everyone I meet is just a stranger or an acquaintance you know I just I, that's just how I am. And so it, it breaks my heart to think that people, you know, don't see me that way because of a way I choose to dress um, as, as a spiritual act, as a spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and anybody who asks me about it, like, you know, we did the Ask a Muslim thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm happy to talk to anyone about anything, Um 
because I believe that that's the, the way towards connectedness. And man, you mentioned everything that Canada is doing for the Syrian refugees. And I just, oh my God, just a huge sense of gratitude overwhelms me every time I see those videos. And the first, um, the first flight that arrived and, and the prime minister was there. Yeah. I mean, I was weeping Yeah. just to see a world leader um, open his arms to the needy and the poor and those who have nothing. You know, yesterday I posted a video on my Facebook of what Homs looks like. Um, and I've been to Homs and it it was just this gorgeous, bustling, ancient city. Um, and it's rubble. Right. You know, it's it's been it's nothing but rubble now. And it's just so heartbreaking because when we understand that these things, you know, like Eckhart Tolle talks about pain bodies right? Yeah. and that that's the reason for, for any of this happening in the world. Well, I want to talk about that. I want to discuss that, you know, like what is war, but our pain bodies playing out, yeah. you know, their stuff on, 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 another person or, or on, a, on a beloved or a potential friend, yes. you know, in it, you know, I, so I do, I love to sit, I love, you know, and I made a video yesterday saying like, hey, Donald, Donald Trump, I would love to sit down with you over a donut and some coffee and talk because I don't think you, you would say some of the things that you say if you knew a Muslim or if a Muslim was a friend. <laughs> You know, well, supposedly um, he has plenty of Muslim friends that, you know, agree with what he's doing. I, you know, I, I've heard him say that plenty of times and every time it's like, yeah, right. Like, come on. Yeah. Man. I mean, I think somebody with that large of a pain body doesn't necessarily have a lot of friends. And that's what <laughs> right. he needs, actually. No, you're right. You know, and, and I would be totally willing to be anyone's friend, you yeah. know, to be his friend, even you know, and I think that the painful part is he doesn't want to be my friend, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and people with especially large pain bodies, they don't want to be your friend or right. my friend, you know, right. and, and I think, you know, talking about these things as in, in non-abstract ways, in, in tactile ways, like what is Islam? Well, Islam is about Sharia. Well, what is Sharia? Well, Sharia is the way that you experience and get to know God. Well, how do you do that? Well, you take care of the earth. Well, how do you do that? Well, you know, don't produce a lot of waste. Well, how do you do that? You know, like, so it's, it just comes back and back and back. And you have to keep asking those questions. Right. And I think to have that curiosity is the key, you know, to talking about jihad, to talking about um extremism or ISIS or any any of these large and complex and you know or the Syrian war to talk about any of these things you have to have real curiosity and to say like what's actually going on here you yeah. know and and not just what are the geopolitical facts right <laughs> you right. know what are the things that are happening that we can't maybe see with our eyes but we feel with our hearts well, I think in Syria, one of the things that's happening is that people are standing up for themselves 
in a very like difficult way to understand in a very heart hurtful way and people are saying we will not you know we will not lay down our hearts for you anymore you dictator you know you you who tells us that we can only worship a certain way or you who says that our media can only print certain things or you who says you know that unless you act a certain way you are a good or not good Syrian you know so much so many of my family members have experienced the huge pain body of that regime yes yeah I have an uncle who was kidnapped in the 80s and tortured and and then we never heard from him again and then I have countless cousins and Um, second cousins and even aunts and uncles who in the current state of things have been similarly tortured and um, killed in some instances you know and and just to see that kind of stuff happening you know you have to look at it from more than like well it's their religion that's forcing them to do that well that's not real like religion doesn't force anybody to do anything Right. You know, like one of the one of the like foundational rules in Islamic theology is that um, there is no compulsion in religion. And to say that one thing is compulsory, yes, you can say that, but to force somebody to do it is another issue entirely, and that is entirely forbidden. <laughs> you know. And so to say that Islam forced that person to behave that way or to act in that way, that's not real, right. you know, because right. we, we all independently act from our hearts or from our pain bodies and our egos, you know, and yeah. we all make those choices. And, you know, you talk about ISIS. Well, I think ISIS is a huge topic, and I don't know how far you want to get into it, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's just, in disenchanted and you know kids who, who don't feel connected to anything mm. find this expression of violence in the world and destruction um, where they can act out their pain bodies right. um, and they can act out um, violence um, and 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 you know, I think we just have to look at it in those ways. Um, yeah, and, and so, you know, I think ISIS also, the fact that it's called ISIS is so strange to me because ISIS is this goddess, right. you know, uh, and she's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, with this feminine awakening that's happening right now, I think it's kind of weird. And, like, I won't say that it's, you know, a conspiracy, but I think it is very strange that this group of men um, who basically have zero actual understanding of Islam yeah. are being called ISIS. Yes, like, right. you know, like way to, way to undermine an entire, um, two entire religions, mm. <laughs> you know, or ways yes. just with a na- na- the naming of a group. Yes. You know, I actually 
not a little off topic, but a, a band I love is was named Isis. They broke mm-hmm. up in uh, I think two thousand I don't know ten ish, um, but they they got a, when this first started happening, they had to change their Facebook name. I actually mm-hmm. have a, a zip up hoodie of them that I have not felt comfortable wearing because it says Isis on it. Am I really yeah. gonna like? I actually wore it one morning to to go bring my daughter stepdaughter to school without even clicking, and then after that, it's like oh geez, like no one said anything, but I'm like. Yeah, man, bunch of ruiners on so many levels. I know, you know? I know, um, really. And it's not like they called themselves that. No, right, right. <laughs> you know, so it feels like this strange ploy to undermine these amazing traditions. Yes. You know, it, yeah. it's just kind of weird. So, I, I mean, we we could talk for hours, but I and, and I know that that's that's a, a whole nother conversation. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have hours for the show, but I, I do want to. And, and we could just have you back on again because I would, I mean, I would love to to go further in depth with you. But I did, I'd feel very remiss if we didn't talk about, um, I mean, you're putting your money where your mouth is. You've said a couple of times already, let's have a conversation. You know, that's where like we can start to dig deeper and, and start to root things out. And obviously me yeah. paraphrasing, but, and so you've took it upon yourself, a, a very brave act um, to start this ask a muslim um movement or i don't know what you would call it but let's talk about that first of all wouldn't i i'm sure you've been asked a million times because you've been all over npr and other great stations congratulations i'm so glad that you're getting this attention it's very needed um what what first of all inspired you to do it and then let's just let's talk about that yeah so sebastian and i were sitting around sebastian's my husband yes. we were sitting around one day and um, really like in San Bernardino shootings had just happened mm-hmm. and it was just like a facepalm moment you know like oh god like please don't let them be Muslim yeah and and why is this happening like you know and then they were Muslim and it was just like you know people experience terror and they experience like trauma as a result of this like the American people right. the world at large we experience this trauma. And I think for Muslims, it like quadruples when the perpetrators are Muslim. Because then it's like, okay, well, what kind of dirty looks am I going to get now? Right. You know, or what? Who's going to say some kind of xenophobic, racist nonsense to me today? Yeah. You know, and, and how do I guard myself from that? How do I shield myself energetically? And, you know, how do I protect myself, mm-hmm. really? And I know so many Muslim girls who have, you know, chosen to stop wearing hijab, to stop covering, um, because they're afraid. Um, and I just think that that's so sad. Um, and it's such a marker of, of the world we live in that, you know, a woman on both sides of the spectrum, you know, is told you cannot dress a certain way and be safe. You know, don't dress like that or you'll get raped and don't dress like that or you will, you know, be hurt by some racist. You know, I think they're they're the same story, actually. And I think I'm just like, I'm just out here talking to people saying like, I am not going to check off either of those boxes (laughs) I'm gonna continue to do what I do and wear what I wear but I'd love to talk to you about it Mm -hmm. and maybe if we talked about it 
maybe you would be less afraid. And maybe if we were both less afraid, the world would be a better place, you know, and a happier place. Um, and so I think one of the things is saying that one of the things we're doing is saying that we, um, we recognize the fear on both sides, the fear on the side of the person who says that Muslims are terrorists and, um, and that, you know, because Muslims are terrorists, I'm afraid of Muslims and the fear on the other side that says, are you a random racist, xenophobic person who's going to hurt me because I look Muslim? And I think saying, well, there's fear on both sides. Let's deal with it. Yeah. And how can we do that? Well, I mean, Mr. Obvious to us was let's just go out and talk to people. Well, how do you entice people to talk to you? Have some donuts. <laughs> Who doesn't <laughs> <You know>? love donuts? <laughs> <laughs> so we, you know, we went to Dunkin' Donuts and, you know, we're on the East Coast. We're in Massachusetts and we set up in Cambridge um, and we set up the stand and, oh my God, it was amazing. The first time out, uh, people were weeping. Wow. And saying thank you for doing this and so much love and support. And this is this came at a time where I was even afraid, mm-hmm. you know, of, of doing it. I thought like, well, maybe somebody crazy will come up and have a gun, you know, and sure. hurt us. And we have a two year old who's out there with us sometimes. And to say that, like, we willfully and knowingly subjected him to that. You know, the, the first time that we went out there, it was just so, like, the love was obvious and it was overwhelming and the support was amazing. And it was just such a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. Suddenly I could stop taking my shallow breaths and breathe deep into the knowing that the world is generous and kind and that we were safe. And once I submitted to the idea, it was really beautiful you know, and, and remarkable. And I don't think what we did was remarkable, but I think the result was remarkable. Yeah. You know, that people want to connect and that what is, what does it mean that people want to stop and talk to us? I think it means that people love love, you know, and however it's shown in the world or, or offered people want it, you know, and, and, Hey, this is just our way of, of giving some love and healing some of the hurt and saying, we're not going to be afraid anymore. And we hope that you will join us in that endeavor. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've done it a bunch of times already. And, and, you know, like you said, a bunch of news organizations came out and really just, we were blown away by the response that it had gotten because we didn't think it was remarkable. You know, we just were like, this is the least we can do. It's, it's the only thing we can do. You know, it's just to say, hey, like, we're here. And if you'd like, come have a conversation with us. We won't bite. <laughs> that's that's what I love is, is you know, you're, you're so sincerely humble about it. And that to me shows what a true, like, just inspiration from God it was to, you know, working through you to just go, go do this, you know, open up this conversation. I can't even begin to express the amount of sincere respect I have towards you and Sebastian for stepping up and, and as Gandhi would say, being the change quite literally, like really stepping out there and, and knowing that there was the potential, you know, that someone might harm you. Um, I, I, I just, uh, 
so much respect to you guys for doing that. Um, Thanks, Chris. Yeah, really. I'm, I've been following it, and it's been uh, really touching to me to to see that. So uh, I don't know. I'm tearing up a little. I just I feel yeah. it. You know, it's a really, uh, it's a big thing. So. And I think that's the response that we've been shown a lot is that I was crying at one point, you know, many points when different people would come up and say, thank you for doing this. Um, you have my support and love and I'm sorry that you have to do this, you know, or that you feel like you have to do this. I don't know. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a, there's some kind of mourning in it that our world is such that this is maybe a necessity um, or that it is, you know, just the fact that there's, you know, like we all have so much love to give and we don't all give it, Yeah. you know, and, and I am of the belief. I, I truly believe that you never run out of love, that love is this unconditional, unending fountain. And that the more love we give, the more love we find. And, and to think that people even hoard their smiles or their love or their care I think that, that that brings over us a sense of mourning and that when somebody goes out of the way, out of their way to say, I love you, or to say, um, you know, here's a donut, I, I see you and see me too, and let's talk and connect. I, I think people want that and people just want love, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and I tear up at it too. I tear up every time. You know, and I feel touched every time somebody wants to stop by and say, hey, you know, I, I, I think it's remarkable that people want to stop and talk to us. Mm. That's the remarkable piece to me. Yeah. Is that anybody stops. <laughs> yeah. It's so beautiful. So, you know, I guess in closing then, if there was one thing you'd like to leave the audience with, um, whether it's about your faith specifically, whatever the case may be, is maybe it's a question you haven't been asked yet that you'd like to answer. I don't know. What, what would you, uh, what would you like to, to say and, and close? Well, I would say reach out, um, reach out to your neighbors, uh, whether you have Muslim neighbors or Hindu neighbors or anything neighbors, <laughs> mm. reach out and give love and be love in the world because there's not enough of it. And we all have, an infinite amount. And, and I think that if we all went a little bit, you know, one of my dear friends, um, he said to me, Mona, just work a little bit harder. Just do a little bit more. And when you think you can't do a little bit more, just do a tiny bit more, mm. you know? And I, I think we can all do a tiny bit more to love more deeply and more truly from our heart and that we can all, you know, we, we can all try a lot harder, but we can all try a little bit harder to be more kind and friendly and smiley. And in Islam, a smile is considered charity. Like not, not like ho-hum, you know, like charity in the metaphorical sense. Right. It's considered charity as if you've given your money away, like Ram Dass did at the beginning of his journey when Maharaji said, give it all. Yeah. You know, that's a smile. It's giving it all, but with your heart. You know, and I would just say, get to know your neighbors, your coworkers, um, connect, look people in the eye and, and be present with them. I think that's the only way out of our current state of affairs. And 
And that's the only way out of our disconnectedness, you know, is to really just be there for one another and see each other and give a little bit more love and then give a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) And just a tiny bit more after that. That's very beautiful and profound. Well, Mona, thank you so much for the first part of our conversation. I I would love to have you back on at a future date when we can connect again, because there's so much more to talk about. But uh, I really, I I thank you for your time. I thank you for uh, walking me through a bit of your beautiful faith and uh, and for sharing yourself with the audience. And, And hopefully this is just one more step in the direction of love and healing and reconciliation and unity. So thank you so much, Chris. It's really been a pleasure to talk to you and to know you. And I look forward to more. Thank you so much, Mona. Thank you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BeHereNowToday to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash BeHereNow.